simultaneous pride in the way the team plays in the regular season and the flip side, the simultaneous, I don't know if the word is anger or frustration of how the team continually doesn't make the NLCS or even win a game in the NLCS since 2014? Um, I think that's your narrative. It's not mine. Um, mine is that we win baseball games. You know, we, we get a chance to play in October. A lot of teams can't say that. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to try to uh, put together a roster that gets us there. And we hopefully, uh, you know, have more success in the future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week by the guy who asked one of the more compelling questions and got one of the more probably memorable answers, if not compelling answers, of the Cardinals' postseason preview, review, press conference, and that is, of course, St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist Benjamin Hockman. Benjamin, thank you for taking the time. Um, what take us through the question and sort of the thought you went into the press conference with John President? Yeah, honestly, Derek, I the night before, I you know, sometimes you can't sleep, you're thinking about the next day at work, and I just started writing different mindsets I had and different questions I wanted to ask, uh, the night before. And I'm it was it was just one question, and and uh, basically, it. it it's acknowledging that yes, the St. Louis Cardinals are always good. They're in, they're over 500 every year. But if the if if as Oliver Marmol has stated, the plan and the the goal is to win the World Series. To you either it's binary. You're either the champion or you're not, and that's success or not. Then I think something needs to be changed with the St. Louis Cardinals, right? So they they haven't won a game in the National League Championship Series since 2014. Where were you all in 2014? It's a long time ago. So I I asked that to Mosellock and and I was there at the game they were winning. Yeah, were you? Yeah, <laughs> I and, remember. Uh, and then something happened, huh? Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember a pitcher coming in from the bullpen and writing my lead. <laughs> Somewhere along the lines of the pitcher who they called on to throw the most important pitch of their season had not thrown a pitch in weeks. It's kind of like, it's not apples to apples, but it's kind of like how the San Diego Padres acquired Josh Hader to face good left-handed batters in key moments. And Josh Hader didn't pitch to Bryce Harper in that key moment. Right. It's very... Yeah, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. It's it's this guy was not ready or not trusted to throw a pitch for weeks and then all of a sudden was called on to throw the most important pitch <laughs> of that season. So just with, with another guy warming up, with Lance right. Lynn warming up. So, um, you know, that was a lot to ask of Michael Walker and the Cardinals really haven't been. Well, no, they not. They period, to your point, have not been in position to win an NL pennant since. Yeah, they got shut out, uh, swept in 2019. That series was basically over as soon as it started. And we know about the flameouts and, and even missing the playoffs three consecutive years in 16, 17, and 18. So, yeah, I wanted to ask him about, does at some point, does the World Series drought, does the not winning the pennant drought change the way you go about your offseason? And, and and he said no. And that, that was his, his staunch uh, – 
I guess, statement. But then he also said payroll's going up. So that could mean some positives. Well, I, I asked him about the payroll. And yeah. I was interested in the motivation for it going up. Like, look, if the closest playoff spender to them, they spent, they finished around $170 million for their payroll, which, you know, put them just outside of the top 10. They're usually right there inside the top 10. Um, their payroll kind of hovers between that 8, 9, 10, 11 range, which mm-hmm. their revenues hover between that 8, 9, 10, 11 range. Well, they're going to be higher than 10 in revenue. Uh, because of the ticket bounce they got. The the Cardinal yeah. fans, as Mosellock said, as we all know, uh, you know, responded to the farewell tour and the chase for seven hundred and the and really to be blunt, the charisma of this team. I mean that this they you know for a while there it had been a good team, but it hadn't been a team that captured the imagination with Pujols back, with the performance of Goldschmidt early in the season for the first five months, with Nolan Arenado at third base and whatever magic he could do there, plus his performance at the plate. I mean, this was a captivating team, um, really, for the first time in a while. Again, they'd had good teams, but they hadn't had a team that, like, you know, just, like, galvanized the fan base around, like, this could be the team and it's fun-to-watch team. And all of that led to ticket sales, which is going to dovetail with an increased bounce in the uh, rights fee, right? The, the, the built-in escalators in that. So those two things are going to dovetail to be to to a rise in payroll. But will it be enough? Because that one seventy was the lowest of the five play. I'm sorry, six playoff teams lower than the five other ones. And the next closest one was like 40% away. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, the Atlanta spent two They're going to go up. And yeah. that was the next closest team. Everyone's focused on the Phillies and the, you know, the Padres being kind of surprise finishers in the NLCS. Both of them have top five payrolls in major league baseball. So maybe their win total isn't there, but they spent on depth and talent and high-end free agents to make that run to the NLCS possible. And it, that's all a way of asking you. I mean, the the cost of contending is going up. Do you think the Cardinals have the stomach to to narrow that gap? I, I, I don't know. I hope they do for the fans' standpoint, for the, the, the people who care so much about this team and spend their hard-earned money and, and the whole thing. And, and every October, I think you wrote it. You wrote the great line, uh, the season was over before the, the leaves have even changed colors. And uh, it happens annually these days. So, yeah, hopefully the Cardinals will do something big, something grand, something that takes them to the puke point that Michael Gersh refers to sometimes, that takes them out of their comfort zone because clearly what they're doing is good, not great. Clearly what they're doing is getting them in the tournament, but they're never seldom making a tournament run. So try something different because it's the definition of insanity, as they say, doing things over and over. And like you said, good teams are spending more and the Braves are going to be around for a while. Um, I mean, they've got a lot of, and that, that's it. And the Dodgers are always around. So yeah, try something different ASAP. Where do you begin? Let's, let's do that. You know, and we got a list from Mosaic of things that he wanted to talk about yesterday. Adam Wainwright returning for a 2023 season there. And he says it will be his last one. You have the opening at catcher. You have the decision for Arenado, and you have the sense that they need to 
augment the lineup. Um, he brought up a couple times the need to have some protection there for for Arnauto and Goldschmidt, like pools provided yeah. in the second half of the season. So where do you start? And 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 I will say two two Mosellock or four Mosellock. He or his front office did not expect MVP candidate Tyler O'Neill to be a dud this season. Uh, I, I think when we talk about protection for those guys. He was going to be a huge part of that. And goodness gracious, I think about where we were mentally a year ago in regards to Tyler O'Neill. He's he was a superhero. He's hitting the ball at the highest exit velocity, you know, one of the highest in the league, and he's the fastest, one of the fastest guys in the league. He's a superhero. And and now we're talking about how he might not even start or maybe not even be on the team if he's dealt next year. So uh I did want to point that out. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's twofold. And I don't know if they if they if, it might be two different players, but it's what who is the top free agent you could clearly get offensively? And then the other one is who is a left-handed bat you can get? And I suppose a third one is is a is who is catcher. Uh I don't know if that's three different guys or what, but for me, I just I just can't imagine the Cardinals getting Aaron Judge. Um even if I was the GM, I don't think I would <laughs> splurge on on Aaron Judge, even if I was trying, trying, trying to win one season next season. So what's who's next on the list? You look at the shortstops, and I know they're right-handed hitting, but you look at Carlos Correa, and, and, and you look at Trey Turner. These are two enticing right-handed hitting guys that would uh, definitely enhance the lineup. How, how would that work? Like, obviously, Tommy Edmond, who's a finalist for the Silver Slugger at the utility mm-hmm. spot, which is new. Um, I, there, all this new stuff, man, there's like a, yeah. you know, Albert Pujols, a finalist for the DH silver slugger in the NL who knew <laughs> like, that's right. a new thing. And then the utility, I totally missed that. There was a utility silver slugger now, which kind of seems off. If we're having a quick sidebar, like utility gold glove, I get right. You play a mm-hmm. bunch of different positions in the field, utility, silver slugger. You're all playing the same position at the plate. I'm very confused by that. What, what am yeah, I saying? Yeah. Good point. Well, I guess I mean, we should get Ben Zobrist on the podcast and see what he would have to say about that. Right. Fair. Fair. Maybe that is it. It, it opens up. OK, so now you've you've swayed me. It's it <laughs> opens up a way for more players to reach the bonuses of silver sluggers. So yeah, there you go. Fun. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I just he, he, you're right about like the shortstop position last year was one of the great classes of shortstops in free agency of all time. And, you know, and it wasn't even full because some of the guys signed an extension before, but the Cardinals just shied away. They didn't even, they didn't even play in that player. They didn't even launch into those conversations. They just stayed with what they had. You know, this year, the class is still strong. Um, It might have one of the best all round players to play shortstop in Trey Turner. Um, You could argue that it's, pretty high end with Correa and Turner. If the Cardinals make a play for that, how do the other pieces shift? And did you get a sense when Mosellac brought up specifically Mason Wynn and also Tommy Edmond at shortstop that, that he was kind of a prelude to not being involved? Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot to unpack there and a lot of good stuff. And he Mosellac made a point about how, okay, let's say the Cardinals sign a, a shortstop free agent. Do you put Tommy Edmond in the outfield? And if you're also talking about making the outfield stronger from a hitting standpoint, does that really enhance the offense of the outfielders uh, with, with Tommy Edmond out there? And the answer is probably not. 
So the next question is, is can we, can the Cardinals move Tommy Edmond to second base? What do you do with Gorman? Can he be a full-time DH? Uh, and, and these, or, or is it, you know, we mentioned Zobris and we know about Brendan Donovan. Is it one of these things where you're mixing a match and all the time, which we see Oliver Marmol do anyway, but I think the, the, it's almost like get the guy and then worry about the problem mm. afterwards. You'll get Trey Turner and then be like, Oh man, we're, what do we do now? We have Trey Turner. He's so good. What do we, I guess we'll have to work around this. And, and that's a good problem to have. Do you think the, the notion should, I like your idea there. Like just get the guy and then let it work out. Do you think the priority should be left-handed power? We've seen in the postseason, you know, with Harper and Schwarber, and Rizzo and how the Yankees used uh, Carpenter. And of course, then with Houston, you have Alvarez. We have seen how left-handed power specifically changes games. And we know that the Cardinals struggled against right-handed pitching significantly, yeah. especially high velocity guys. And then were out after facing, you know, Nola and Wheeler in back-to-back games. Now they had a lead in one of those games, um, but it wasn't by much. And the only runs provided in that series were by rookies coming off the bench. So do you think the priority ought to be left-handed power, left-handed production? Um, do you, do you, and then kind of work from there. Well, I, I just look at it like this. Uh, and I, I've quoted uh, former Denver Nuggets GM, Mark Warkentine before uh, I used to cover them. And he would always say, Okay, give me a name. You know what I mean? He would he would be like, you know, this yeah, the lefty slugger that hits a bunch of home runs. That'd be great. Okay, but who is this human being? Uh, where where do the Cardinals get him from? Uh, I didn't maybe I missed someone on the free agency list, but I, I didn't see a name pop out there. Maybe like a Brandon Nimmo or something like that, but he's not a slugger. So then do you do you work out a tr- some trade magic, and and that's a possibility, of course. We. Well, he- you sort of beat me to where I was going with the conversation in the sense that like, do you need to take a flyer on that left-handed power? Joey Gallo is out there. Um, Power. I say, let's go to production. Andrew Benatendi is out there. You know, a guy who used to spend his off seasons in St. Louis, honestly. Um, You know, he's there. Do you see what the Dodgers want to do and keep an eye on if Bellinger is going to be non-tendered and make a play for him? I mean, some of those guys have not had very productive seasons. Do you bet on a change of scenery? Do you bet on just the reputation? Uh, do any of those interest you? Great points, but you had mentioned who's doing well in the postseason. You mentioned the Swarbers, the Harbors, these sluggers. If they got Ben Attendi, it's a left-handed bat, but is that a home run for the Cardinals in the 2023 playoffs, or is that a, a nice – you know, single to, to, to left or what have you. Um, and then the other question for us to have, and cl- clearly they're having the discussion, same discussion in the front office is who is Nolan Gorman offensively next year? And is Nolan Gorman, I know he plays a different position, but is he Joey Gallo? Oh, well, I mean, that would be, huh? Well, that would leave them in a bind, right? Yeah. 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 I'm or, or what's your, what's your, I, maybe I should ask what's your sense of where Joey Gallo is. Would Gorman as Gallo, would you like that? Well, that, I mean, that's a great. I haven't really thought that through. I mean, I'm, I'm guess I'm thinking more from a DH standpoint there. Um, you know, basically, it's simply you've got a guy in Gorman who played 
uh, as a 22-year-old in the bigs last year and struggled a lot. We knew there was going to be strikeouts. So, you know, it was interesting watching him. It's like, oh, he struck out again. Can you believe it? Like, yes, I can believe it because that was his thing coming up. But hopefully he'd counter it with some home runs, and he did to an extent. But you wonder if he's got more in him. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, do you sign someone who can give you the same offensive production as the cheap guy you already got on your roster that can play DH? Do you think if the Cardinals go to spring training and say, okay, we're going to throw quantity at this, this opening and we have a lot of moving pieces, but we're going to just throw quantity. We're going to throw Gorman, Newt Barr. Um, we're going to sign a few guys like Corey Dickerson revisited. Um, we're going to have Jordan Walker as a non-roster invitee. We're just going to, throw quantity at this and trust that at least one will emerge. Uh, could be Tyler O'Neill, for example. He'd be part of that group. You know, that one of them will emerge to be the production needed. Do you think that is a reasonable way to go, that that could work out for them? It could, but you that but I, do you get a new catcher and do you get a new shortstop from the market or from a, from a trade? That That's the thing is – Sure. Yeah. Maybe of those seven or eight guys and we know about injuries and like we saw O'Neill rise one year and fall next year. Maybe Walker rises this year. Who, who knows what it's going to be, but I I'm fine with looking, looking through that if there's not the right get on the market, but then you got to spend money on somebody else to enhance your lineup in other positions. Sure. But I you would hope that if they did shortstop, that it would be an offensive upgrade, right? Yeah. That would free up Tommy Edmond. Um, to be the second baseman or super utility and Brendan Donovan to be a part of that. Um, you know, one way to think about protecting Goldschmidt and Arenado is not necessarily the traditional notion of who bats behind them. It could be who bats in front of them to assure that they don't have a place to be, you know, to for walk or to change how they're pitched or to say like, look, this, you know, now this pitcher's already in a bind because they're dealing with traffic. Brendan Donovan brought a little bit of that. Lars Newbar in the second half brought a lot of that um, from the leadoff or number two spot. You know, mm -hmm. do they return to it or do they do the Cardinals go, okay, well, if we could get a different kind of looking top of the order, a Dansby Swanson or Trey Turner type, you know, does that work to to offer protection at the front end? And then you look toward the back end where you can stack the on base percentage of a Donovan and Newbar to to really kind of add like a whiplash element to the lineup. Yeah. And, and also is the catcher a, a, an offensive threat or is this a guy that just can manage the pitching staff super well? That's another question, of course. And who is the guy going to be? Is it the A's catcher? Is it Contreras? Um, I don't, I don't sense that they want Herrera to be the 162 catcher, um, but he's maybe the catcher of the future. Right. Yeah. No, they, uh, they, they think he needs some more development and, you know, this notion of, you know, that time spent in AAA. I thought the the commentary on the catcher was very interesting in the sense that Kisner did well as a backup, but they want to have something more in their everyday starter, in their everyday kind of catcher element. I, I thought that was an interesting statement. Obviously, the market is headlined by Wilson Contreras. There are other free agents out there. There are going to be trade options out there. Is there one that resonates with you? I don't know if they could pull this off, and I don't know where this new – uh, GM in Kansas City is thinking, but I didn't realize till yesterday that Salvador Perez he's only he's only he's only thirty two. Uh, if you could if you could get him and, and squeeze a couple more years out of him, 
Uh, he'd be beloved in St. Louis, and he's a 20-plus home run guy, or I think he had like 83 homers the year before, something ridiculous. <laughs> so, I, think, I think that's what it was, right? 83? That's the Kansas City record, right? Was yeah, it, yeah, 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 no lineup had previously hit as many home runs as he single-handedly did. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that is intriguing. But, of course, who's the guy? But you're going to have to trade major league talent to get an all-star talent like that. But we just said they have five or six outfielders and, and, and heck how many, how many, what, what about their starting pitching? We, we, we talked yesterday at the press conference. You could basically say right now they've got their five starting pitchers for a rotation. And that doesn't include Dakota Hudson, who would be a, a starter in most other teams rotation. Plus you got Liberator and Zach Thompson, what have you. So the Cardinals have some trade pieces. So I guess, you know, long answer to your question, but, but Perez and the idea of Perez, of course, entices me. Is there a free? I mean, where do you stand on Contreras or say Christian Vasquez? Uh, you know, a couple of the free agents. If if they got Contreras, I, I I would say that's a good signing. We we know he's not very great defensively, but he's been on pennant or uh, definitely division winning. Was he was he was he the catcher for the sixteen team? Yeah, yeah, that was when he was young and you know brash. Yeah, so he's been on on winning teams as he hasn't hurt his team enough to keep them from winning, you know, a bunch of ball games. So uh, that's definitely something to consider. Uh, reading up about um, the fellow from the A's, uh, is it Sean Murphy? Sean Murphy, yeah, yeah, he's very enticing too, and 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 maybe there's a trade situation there. So yeah, they got Contreras. I just I I it's a very simple statement, but the Cardinals need to get at least one guy, possibly two guys, that as soon as the press conference is over, T-shirts are on sale with that guy's name and number on the back, and people are buying them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they need a T-shirt, a jersey seller immediately. And, you know, that would be Trey Turner. That would be Correa. And I suppose that would be Contreras, too. Um, so that's so that's what they need, a jersey seller. A jersey seller. That's, that's interesting. I mean, they're the, – where's the line for that? That's a, it's an interesting way to put it. Um, you know, where's the line for that is, is, is Swanson a Scherzer seller? Yeah, I think Swanson is. Yeah. Okay, I don't know yeah. if Ben Detendi is though. That's a, that's a, that's a, he's right on the line there. Is, is Murphy a Scherzer seller or is he one that becomes that way because they grow to love him? Uh, the latter, I think. I, I, just, I just think because he plays in Oakland, American League also, a lot of, uh, even myself, I'm not that familiar with him, let alone a, a casual fan that goes to a few games a year. So, yeah, but maybe if he becomes a fan favorite over the over the months, yeah, you're, you're buying that, that Murphy jersey. But, yeah, uh, or jersey, excuse me. Uh, is, yeah, but Contreras, he's a jersey seller. Is Judge a jersey seller? <laughs> Judge a jersey seller. Uh, well, I, I, I had a conversation on Twitter yesterday with Corey Miller from Channel 5 who mm-hmm. was talking about Aaron Judge coming to the Cardinals. I said, well, wait, would they have to ask Sotaguchi if he can wear 99? Like, how would – I mean, that's basically like 51. So I think it would be that- a good story as to whether or not if they got Judge and they won't, but if they got Judge, but they won't. But if they did get Judge and they won't. But if Judge did come here, how many people would – take their 99 jerseys and put judge over to Gucci. If they got judge, I was at the blues game last night, walking around, you see dozens of 99 Gretzky jerseys. I bet those fans would, would take Gretzky's name off and put judge over it. That's how big of a deal it would be. (laughs) And again, it's not happening, but 
Yeah. So I mean, Sean Murphy is an interesting one because he's a he's a quality or quality catcher, um, has a good reputation, has a Gold Glove already, has offensive upside. Is not going to be like the guy who likely hits fifth as protection for you know Arnado and Goldschmidt. And while Contreras might, he still is above average hitter, good above average hitter for a catcher. He's not like you know. Thunder from the middle of the order who is above average for an outfielder, if that makes sense. And, yeah. you know, so much of the Cardinals production over the last few years has been, or their quest, I should say, for production has been how to get it from where, you know, the big timber is supposed to be, you know, the, 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 you know, the biggest trees are supposed to grow in the corner outfield. And, <laughs> you know, they got that from Tyler O'Neill, um, you know, a, a season ago. Now that this past year, they got injuries. They need that, you know, they didn't get that from Marcelo Zuna as imagined, but they traded to get it and at a steep cost that we all know. It, he might win the Cy Young, what what cost the Cardinals. In fact, you know, two of the guys who are going to finish pretty high in the Cy Young voting in the National League were part of that deal in Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen. So when you when you think about like where production comes from, you know, it, it is in the corner outfield spots and you know. Again, you know, Murphy's going to bat toward the end of the lineup, but he comes with control. He comes with a good reputation defensively. Um, you know, the, he's at a spot where Oakland is eyeballing a significant ra- raise in his salary while the team that could acquire him is looking at multiple more years of control. That's a bit of a sweet spot, especially when it's not quite clear that Oakland can, like, command the world for him like you know the Marlins did for Azuna because you know the production isn't the same even though the 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 influence on a game might be greater and the A's have options coming so you know they they're sort of in a spot where they it makes sense for them to move get some help for their major league team get some high upside for their future and you can see how that would line up for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I go for it, Cardinals. Get him and get a shortstop too. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that that um, any upgrade at any position is important heading into this year because we know how steep and difficult the competition is across the National League. And the Padres, oh, who are the Padres getting back? Uh, an MVP candidate who wasn't on the team, you know, this past year. Eventually, Tat- yeah. Yeah, eventually, and Tatis Jr. And, and, and I mean, again, the Dodgers and the Mets are going to be there. The Braves, heck, the Braves have two dudes that would win the, excuse me, that would win the Rookie of the Year in any year. And uh, obviously only one of them will, but I mean, they're such a young, exciting team. They locked in. All those, all those young players like Riley and gosh, it's just there's so many good teams already. I mean, I know it's hard to even make the playoffs, but yeah, I feel like it's like it's kind of just as simple as this: if you're doing it, do it. If you're if you're if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, you've been since 2014. I know Mo didn't like this, and he he said it was snarky and and he, it was kind of it wasn't fair because he looks at each season as its own season not a a streak of years but golly if you're trying to win another world series 
clearly you need to upgrade in spending or something. And I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I definitely have the the energy and uh, passion to, to say, like, you got to change something because it's not working right now. Because, like you said, the leaves haven't changed colors yet and the season's over again. What would have been a satisfactory answer? Like, if you had asked that question, what, as you thought through it, was a question that you're like, man, that, that would have been a good question. Obviously the answer that like, well, that's your narrative and not mine is not maybe one that you expected, but, right. or maybe, maybe we should have, but yeah. the, what, what answer would have been like, Oh, well, wait a minute. This this is new. This is different. I, I, I simply would think maybe acknowledging, like maybe it's acknowledging not, not the, like, yes, we're all on the same page. We know it's hard to win in the playoffs. The New York Yankees are always among the top seller, or, me, spenders, and they haven't been to a World Series since 2009. We all know the story. But they've been in, a, in the LCS. They've made playoff runs. So my, my point is a satisfactory answer would have been, we, we, the St. Louis Cardinals, see that what we're doing is working in the regular season and really hasn't worked in the – playoffs for for close to a decade we love that our fans come out three million at a time why don't we the st louis Cardinals front office try something outside of the box more aggressive um to to enhance the roster to make sure that we can compete with all the big boys in the national league like we did in the glory days of the the early to mid 2000s there's a real i thought it was really interesting that he took a couple questions one from you one from me and thought it was a question of strategy. And I tried to reposition and say, no, you know, this isn't a question about strategy. Obviously how you build a roster has led to success. It's about how do you give the signal boost to that strategy? What's the next step that says, all right, this is how we've done it. This has produced a winning season, but like you, you know, how do you, twist that decibel level up a little bit how do you crank the volume to 11 because the mets atlanta and the dodgers aren't going anywhere and the phillies and the padres aren't going anywhere if anything atlanta's fortified itself if anything the dodgers might make a play for judge and really upset the market or they end up with the grom and just look crazy good (laughs) you know who knows what they could do and you know, you have the Giants on their way. I mean, the Giants are not going to sit still after this past season and pass on some of these guys. They could make a play for Judge. They could make a play for DeGrom. And, oh, and somebody. The Chicago Cubs, where are they? Who? In two or three? Right. But in two or three years from now, what, is, what does Jed Hoyer have up his sleeve with the money to spend on the rebuilding and the young prospects? I'm going to reserve judgment. I, I think that I think they're more likely to act like the Cardinals have over the last 10 years than they are likely to act like the Dodgers have. That's just, okay. Me. I just figured I'd throw them in. There's just another big market that, um, that possibly could, could grow and, and come, I guess say come out of nowhere, but hasn't been good. And then suddenly in 2024, 25 is a, is a big spender and a big player. I think five or six teams are going to pay a luxury tax under the new CBA um, at various levels of it. Four of them are competing against the Cardinals for the National League pennant. Four. <laughs> Cardinals are not going to go close to spending um, the luxury tax. They're just not going to do it. And right. they, they have stayed away from it. They're likely they're going to see what could be the most substantial or they're going to have the ability to have the most substantial 
payroll raise in years. And, oh, by the way, if Arenado says he's coming back, then they have some rebate on his salary because the Rockies are going to cover it in that initial in that for in this coming year. So there is payroll space, but that doesn't mean that means closing the gap, not not covering the gap. And they're not going to do that. Um, So it is definitely a, a question of not strategy. Obviously, they've had successful strategy, the develop pipeline trade resign trade extend this has been very very good for them from matt holiday through nolan arenado paul goldschmidt that whole group even the marcelo zuna trade was made for a need that was so apparent and while it cost them two starters one of whom they knew was an elite prospect right uh, you know along the line of jack flaherty sandy and jack were right there together um and everybody knew it as far as their potential, you know, they, they, it was costly, but that model has worked. Okay. But that model hasn't won to your point. Yeah. And that model is in need of some kind of booster shot to contend even. So where's that come from? Exactly. It's, it, it's the Jersey seller and um, it's, it's Jersey seller. Yeah, it's it's Correa, it's it's Turner, it's it's somebody that that you're like, oh, I know him from the All Star game. <laughs> I I know him because he's one of the top players in my fantasy baseball league. You know, I know him because he used to kick the Cardinals' butt every year with a bunch of home runs and hits. That that guy or that those guys. As we're talking here, it becomes eleven eleven. Just to give away the magic of when we're recording this, eleven eleven in the morning, eleven years. After the 2011 World Series, on the day, the exact day, right? That David mm-hmm. Freeze said to everybody, well, David Freeze didn't say it, but he had the swing that said to everybody, we'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, what? Uh, in the I mean, 11th that, inning. In the 11th inning. Yeah. In the 11th inning, after having the, the triple over um, Cruz's glove, which um, he got a name drop in the Adam Wainwright press conference about if they sign him, then Adam Wainwright's not the oldest member of the team. But, right. you know, you think back, I mean, it's 11 years since their last championship. Um, and it was what a championship. But mm-hmm. is that is the thrill of that at all fading because it's been so long? Do you think that like do you think a gap between championships heightens the sensation of one or does it start to fade? I think the gap between the championship, yeah, it just makes it makes the, the, the fan base that much hungrier and, and maybe even angrier that they, that, that, that they have not had that feeling again. You know, uh, I mean, the, the, the 2011 Cardinals, any championship, you know, infuses fandom uh, and takes you to another level. And uh, it's, you know, it's insatiable and you want it again and you, you want to experience it again as a fan. And it's been 11 years. And, uh, you know, Adam Wainwright over the years has, has maybe this is, you know, ties it in because we spoke to him yesterday, too. But he's always said, you know, we talk about the, the magic makers and freeze and, and for call and Terrio and all these other guys. But a championship team needs three big bats. And that team had Berkman, Pujols and Holiday. And, uh, and, and he's talked about that. You need those three big boppers, those three big sluggers in, in your lineup. 
And uh, and sure enough, we spoke to Adam yesterday, coincidentally, because he, you know, as, as you reported, you broke the news in the Post-Dispatch that he was coming back, and uh, it's going to be his last year. And, and he spoke about how, uh, yeah, you look at some of these playoff teams, they've got the boppers. So what they have is Arnado if he comes back. And what's your gut feel on that? Oh, gosh. What's uh, your opinion I, I, on that? Yeah, I mean, if you a year ago, I was like, all right, I don't know. I think he might go to LA, but now I think after this past season and watching him, how proud, I mean, you've written it. We've, we've all written about it we, in, the, in the media and we, we, we witnessed it, how much he took pride in winning the division and being, and he loves the fan base here. Um, I know he's from the LA area, but I, I think he's back with the Cardinals next year. So they have Arnado, Goldschmidt, and then the Scherzi to be named later that they <laughs> need to add to the lineup. It, it strikes me that if they do that, if they have three knowns, Albert Pujols was just a gift to them. Let's just be honest. I mean, they couldn't have counted on what he did, and then he goes and has one of the great second halves of his career, really, um, and brought that to them. But if they go in with three knowns and then have Tyler O'Neill as the possible you know, addition, you know, Jordan Walker as a possible addition, Dylan Carlson as a possible addition, Lars Newbar as a possible addition. If they go in with three knowns and whoever the catcher is as a possible addition, if they go in with three knowns and then get a boost from it, then that's similar to what Mosaic was talking about, how teams need like a presence is plural in the lineup, but they need contributions from the freezes of the world. Like freeze was not the, you know, like you mentioned, it was Berkman holiday and pool holes. You know, and Alan Craig was a huge factor. Let's not ignore. I mean, he was one of the most productive hitters with runners in scoring position there for a while. Now, yeah. he was new to the scene then and was about to become that guy for the 2013 team when you think about that group. But it was like the additional bat that elevated them, but it was the three that carried them. And yes. when you look at the 2023 Cardinals, it's hard to see the three that carry them. Now, if we had Tyler O'Neill on the podcast right now, he might say, guys, I'm going to be that third guy. But And we, we, we know the statistics from 2021, but we also know the statistics from 2022. And you, if you enter the season with him as the third guy, you're going to have a lot of angry columnists and fans. Well, you don't want to anger the columnists. I mean, oh, oof, oh, oof. we've learned, like, you anger the columnists. Well – that brings us to like the last thing I wanted to ask you about, about angry columnists. Um, <laughs> Cardinals had in a lot of ways by almost every measure of one of the better offenses in the majors, um, very low strikeout rate. They had good performance, especially when you normalized it against the ballpark in which they played, they did, they were not the one dimensional group. They're going to produce two guys who are going to finish in the top five maybe even top four for the mvp award and that's not going to include albert pujols who i mentioned had the second half of one of the better second halves of his career they have four finalists for a silver slugger award and goldschmidt arenado pujols at dh and tommy edmund at utility and instead of getting a raise the hitting coach is leaving <laughs> what do you make of that they were going to offer him a multi-year deal jeff albert to stick around um, he declined to stay. I spoke with him for a while. Um, the quotes were in Rick Hummel's story um, just about that decision. He 
wanted to change the scenery, wanted new challenges. He wanted, he, he did say that, you know, his family and kind of his personal feel factored into it. Um, he didn't, he thought it was an oversimplification to say that it was angry columnists or angry tweeters who led to his departure, but he was frustrated by the fact that so much of the focus, whether it was criticism or else was on Jeff Albert and Jeff Albert's system. And his point was that this was something that they undertook as a, as a group, many, many different departments and people involved. And while it did not produce results a year ago, they saw it through this season and saw tremendous results. I don't know if there's another way to say it. Um, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Alec Burleson, Brendan Donovan. These are all graduates of this approach that did not exist before Albert. And when I say approach, I'm not just talking about at the plate. I'm talking about, you know, away from the game where there's increased tech, there's better understanding of the tech, there's better understanding of how to maintain a swing. And there, there's a better awareness that not all hitters are the same and how to maximize the hitters that they are. That's something that's probably not talked about enough. But look at Mason Wynn, who I talked to him for a while, and he told me in spring, he goes, when I was drafted, I thought I was Jordan Walker. Now I've gone through this and I've worked and I realized I'm not Jordan Walker, but I can find another way to produce. I don't need to swing like Jordan Walker because I don't have a swing like Jordan Walker. And going up there to swing like Jordan Walker just spirals me into strikeouts. But I can be a guy who goes gap to gap. I can still hit for damage and I can use my speed, but I'm not going to hit, you know, light tower bombs like Jordan Walker because I'm not the same guy. And the Cardinals were better situated to handle, develop, and unlock hitters like that. Now at the end of it, um, what do you make of what's walking out the door, not just with Albert, but, but Mike Maddox as well, a seasoned, long-established pitching coach who obviously was a pitcher in the major leagues um, and is highly respected as a pitching coach um, in the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not – it's obviously not like last year when there was a disconnect with, with Mike Shilton and he was showing the door, but it is surprising that a team makes the playoffs and their, you know, their pitching coach and their hitting coach leave the team. Um, Maddox makes sense. I mean, he's an older fella and he's accomplished so much in baseball already. Um, and when we're focusing on Albert and, you know, in, in baseball, the, the, the hitting coach is the offensive lineman of uh, football, if you will. You never talk about them when the team's doing well. But, gosh, if they're making penalties or leading to sacks, these guys are the problem. These guys are the people uh, we point yeah. the finger at. And and that's Jeff Albert. You know, I mean, how, how many comparison. times – Thanks. Yeah, you know, you watch these Cardinal games, and when they're doing well, you know, you don't really hear about Jeff Albert. But, goodness gracious, if they go through a slump, you know, he was trending on Twitter, if you will. So, um, clearly he didn't just leave because he was mad about a, about a, a tweet or something like that. But – but Moselec did bring that up, but yeah, uh, to, to answer your question, it, it, it's very interesting. You, you look at the Cardinals looking for top free agent hitters. Well, who's going to, they also need to, to hit on the top hitting coach available and, and make sure that that person not only sustains the good stuff, but also brings out the best of others. And it's also, it's, it's right. It's like the Jeff Alberts of the world can make the Brendan Donovan's better hitters, but you also got to bring in the superstar career turner to begin with uh as well so to recap 
12 months ago, the Cardinals dismissed their manager and then promote their bench coach. This year, a year after needing to look for a new manager, the Cardinals need to look for a new bench coach, a new pitching coach, and a new hitting coach. Um, this is not exactly the stability that they have taken a whole lot of pride in, not the continuity that they have not the not the continuity that they have expected um, from those roles. How do you do you, do you does this set up an alarm? Do you think it's just um, a confluence of events that are unrelated? Do you think that that is a big part of this team going forward? That's a great question. Honestly, um, I, I don't I don't think that Mike Maddox left the St. Louis Cardinals because there was a there's an issue, a huge issue. I don't think there's a problem there. I think when you look at change, the Cardinals are always good at finding the next new coach or the next new manager. They've proven it um, time and again. So I know I have faith that the front office will be able to pull off those hires. Uh, the, the question is, of course, in regards to the continuity of the team going forward. And really, it, it doesn't matter if you don't have great players. <laughs> you hear, I know it's a very simple statement, but you, you hear it from coaches all the time. Like, like if you have a great team, you can figure things out and you can sweep things under the rug. And you can work around issues a little better because you got that bopper, you got that 300 hitter or what have you. Or so, yeah. Um, maybe not the clearest answer to your question, um, which was a good question. I just, I just think like this is an important, important hires, but the more important acquisitions uh, are going to have their names on jerseys. Yeah, you're right. I can only remember one coach who had his name on a jersey. Wait, who's that? Oh, this is a good one. All right. One Cardinal hitting coach who had his name on a jersey. And I'm not like Albert. I'm not doing that. Oh, like – I mean, is it in reference to Mark McGuire? There you go. Yeah, one hitting coach who had his name on a jersey. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Mark McGuire. Yeah, that's the one that I can think of. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe they did. Maybe forty-seven Mabry jerseys. I just I, I don't recall seeing them, but uh, but maybe they did. I don't know. Um, so, last question for you then. So, which who gets a jersey first? The new manager of the Marlins or the current manager of the Cardinals? Which which one will have a jersey in the pro shop first? Will there be shoe jerseys in Miami? Well, I mean, the difference is Marmol won the division. So you got a, a guy that and I and we look, we just talked for however many minutes about how they didn't do well in the playoffs and they seldom do do well in the playoffs. But uh Marmol is a likable young manager who won the division, I, I do wonder if there are, are Marmol jerseys uh, before the newness of, of Shoe. Uh, but, but golly, Skip Schumacher's got a, a lot of fun young players down there. We've talked multiple times on this podcast about maybe one of the best pitchers in baseball. And uh, if, if he turns that team around, man, if he turns that team around, they'll be, they'll be selling Skip Schumacher everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, hopefully the fans come out to see that turnaround. That's, that's one thing there. They, they would sell jerseys if they got Matt holiday back on the coaching staff. Coming Ooh, yeah. No question about that. And, 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 you know, we, we, we've seen them have conversations with Oliver Marmol. We know that holiday is, is friendly with Marmol and still loves being a part of the Cardinals family. Now he's in the hall of fame and the whole thing, but 
we also know that he's got a couple kids that haven't graduated yet. Um, so and he, and he loves being around Oklahoma and raising them. That is St. Louis Post-Dispatch Sports columnist Benjamin Hockman. His narrative may not be your narrative, but his narratives are worth reading in the pages of the Post-Dispatch, and they probably are your narrative, honestly. He he, <laughs> he really he captured a lot of the questions that the fans are looking for. Um, maybe didn't get the answer everybody wanted, but at least got it out there. So now it's part of the conversation, um, and it will be definitely one of the bigger conversations of this offseason. If the Cardinals are raising their payroll, how are they going to do it? We've heard that before. We've seen them do it before, but the it's very clear that there are multiple teams ahead of them, not just in spending, but in contending. And that's an unusual spot for them, and they have to find a way to catch up. You can read all about this offseason, including columns from Benjamin Hockman and his daily, week daily, a remarkable run of daily videos that you've done with 10 Hockman at stltoday.com. I'm not, I don't, I have a hard time keeping up with a weekly podcast. I don't know how you do that daily. Well, I, I get a lot of help from Neil, the intern, Derek. Do you? Okay, good. Yeah, Neil, Neil, the intern uh, has been key during this stretch. No. So I need an intern is what you're saying. No, yeah, yeah. You need an intern. Yeah. No, there, uh, there is uh there is no Neil, the intern. What? Did I, oh my God! Did I just give away like Santa Claus? Yeah, I really had hoped there would. Who 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 puts the cards in the in the hat? It's no. It's, I mean, you're not gonna believe it, but I do that too. Really? <laughs> Golly, you're your props department, your script writer, and the star. <laughs> star is a strong word, but yeah, yeah. That's I I, I wear many hats on on the Ten Hockman video. No, you don't wear any hats. You pull cards out of the hat. Good point, I guess good sometimes point. you do wear a hat. On a bad hair day, I'll, I'll, I'll pop on that I'm so St. Louis hat or maybe a baseballism cap. So see Benjamin Hockman always wearing a hat in 10 Hockman. See what I did there? <laughs> well done. All right, thank you. At SCLTD.com, that's daily. It goes up at 10 a.m., hence the name. You can also find all of our constant coverage there, constant Cardinals coverage there at STLToday.com, including the best podcast in baseball, which is brought to you by the Closets by Design of St. Louis. BPIB is available wherever you get your podcasts. Also look for the podcast on Mizzou Tigers with Dave Matter, Inside Pitch with Jeff Gordon and Ben Fredrickson, and Net Front Presence, right? Did I nail that? Yeah, yeah. With the Blues Riders at stltoday.com. You can rate and review and subscribe to the best podcast in baseball at iTunes. It's subscriptions that make the sponsorships possible, and it's sponsorships that make this podcast possible weekly. The best podcast in baseball will come to you next week from the World Series, from the Fall Classic, where the Cardinals have not been since 2013. But you knew that. That's not a narrative. That's a fact.